You're listening to Living in His Love on The Answer Broadcasting with Rev. Trudy Daly and Mary Weaver. Now, let's prepare to hear this week's message. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to guide and direct this program. May all that is said and done be truthful and loving and reflect your word and your ways. Open the ears and hearts of those listening that they might be blessed by what is said. Help each listener to know and understand how much you love them and that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to save them and that you want to help them in every situation in their lives. Amen. Today we have with us Joshua Burgess, a social worker, Chris Mays, father of five, who's going to have input for us, and of course, Mary's with us today. We're looking forward to our discussion. Hello, Josh. Hi. It's nice meeting you. Uh, I would like you to start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your practice, um, and basically um, just what you do, and maybe a little background about yourself. Mm, Definitely. Well, I'll tell you, I grew up not knowing about the field of counseling or therapy, but I had a love for caring for others, caring for their heart, really getting to the heart of an issue. And I remember young, I mean, four, five, six years old, really desiring to speak to people with their need, Um, specifically a, a broken home that I remember, I think I was about nine years old and going home after I experienced this family that was falling apart. And I just had a desire to speak to the parents. Obviously, as a child, they wouldn't have cared. I cared, though. Uh, Took me till the age of about 16 to realize that there was a field of work that I could do. And uh, for about the the last 10 years, I've been practicing. Uh, Went to school at Binghamton University, and then I've been in the Utica area for about the last seven years practicing professionally. So some people specialize with um, the type of people that they serve, or um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was at a local clinic, and I specialized in children and families. Uh, There I got certified in child-centered play therapy, which I find to be a beautiful model that helps us see children in the light that Jesus saw them, valuing them. paying attention to them and tuning into what their communication is and allowing their natural form of communication, which is play, to help them process any kind of trauma that they've experienced. So I had about six years there working at a children's clinic. And then now um, my heart has been really to integrate the family, uh, to let the family know that, that typically a child doesn't come only needing services, but the whole family needing support. And so now I work a lot with parents, um, helping them tune into what their child is going through, helping them develop the relationships between them and their spouse, uh, really to make the most of their environment to support a child, realizing that me spending 30, 45 to 60 minutes with a child a week can't do anything compared to what they're able to do. So I also do uh, EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. That, that's big with uh, helping people biologically process trauma. Um, science is indicating that trauma is now stored in the body, all over the body. And so we, we work on, on uh, desensitizing that and helping them be able to tolerate what they've experienced. Um, and then a new model that I've been using for the last two years is internal family systems. 
And that uh, is a model that helps us understand the divisions in ourself, uh, the different uh, voices that we hear in our head. Um, and I love that model, and I actually use that in combination with the EMDR. Nice. Um, as a nurse, it's good to hear that you're treating the family for years. Mm. Um, I worked um, at Mohawk Valley Psych Center, or at least I did a, a rotation there um, in, in advanced trainings and um, PTSD, actually. Um, so I... I do believe way back then I thought they should be treating the entire family because the families didn't understand what was happening and didn't know how to deal with the person that was affected by this. Um, That really, um, I'm, that really makes my heart full to know that. And I'm glad that I believe the Lord spoke to you about that. So that's amazing. Um, Today though, I'd like to bring it to, um, have you seen any impact of COVID on your practice? Has that impacted how you've had to, how, um, like an increase in stress on the home and on the family? We, we've also, as we've been speaking to mental health professionals, we've seen a big increase in how it's affected children and their anxiety mm. level. Yeah. So I've, I've seen a couple things. I would say one for people who are already struggling with a drive and an ambition to get out and be active. I found it almost as a good excuse to stay home. However, on the flip side, I've noticed that some children who maybe would stay up all night playing video games and using everything to, to create an excuse to stay inside now are going stir crazy and want to get outside. So in a way, it's actually helped some, um, but I think people who have, have struggled with anxiety previously, it's a good reason to not go outside. It's a good reason not to be social. Um, so I think it's added a whole nother level to their struggle. What are the predominant problems that you seem to deal with in families, would you say? What's the biggest patterns? So would it be like alcoholism or... Um, are are they like generational problems of poverty or you know just lack of knowledge um uh, depression you know do you know what i'm saying yeah i i think what i see a lot and this comes from working at a community clinic and i took much of my caseload with me when i went into private practice is fatherlessness um and, and sadly that is a generational thing um a lot of mothers doing it on their own and uh, the one thing I say is you can't work two full-time jobs. So you, you'll have to compromise as a mother to also play the role as father. And it's a very unfortunate thing. I, I have a world of respect for our women and our mothers stepping up and playing such significant roles. It's very unfair to them, though. Um, so I, I've got a great heart for us men to be stepping up and taking an active role in our families. Um, I think... What I've noticed is it's worse for a child to know that their father exists and is absent in their life than for a father to actually even be dead. For the father to be dead, they can cope with it, they can grieve, and they can move Mm -hmm. on. But to know that dad can show up at any point and he doesn't is very painful. And so those roots of rejection, um, it, it devalues the child, it devalues the mother, 
it communicates so much about who they are and why put effort into something like school or a career if one of the people that created you, your, your own parent, doesn't believe in you or doesn't find you valuable enough to spend time with you. So, you know, and the, I take that back to, to, to God and how he set up mm. the, the family. Yes. The perfect, you know, dynamic of the family with a mother, father, child. I mean, when you break that, you know, everything that God set up seemed, was in the triune and the three, three part, um, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Everything's set up in the triune nature, and when you take one piece of that out, you know there's difficulties. And um, I don't know if any of that is in your counseling. If you 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 know if you encourage people um, to have any faith based, or if you encourage, um, you know, because. I know that when I counseled people and I could mention, you know, church or God or whatever, because obviously when you're in a professional setting, sometimes you can't, um, that sometimes having God as their father did help mm, Yes. when they were older. I mean, I tried uh, many times to help guide people. Yeah, Absolutely. My feeling about any kind of coping skill, any kind of positive thinking is honestly, it falls flat in the worst of moments if we don't have a foundation of who we are and why we are that way. And so my concern is not to convert people to my religion. I want people to understand there is a truth of they exist for a purpose. They have value because God has given them value. The creator of this universe has decided they should exist. He wants them to exist. And so that's something to fall back on. I, I find that especially when it comes to children and we throw these coping skills at them, they, they really struggle to, to find the point in even using them unless we work on that heart issue of do I even have value? Is my, white, is my life worth living? And without doing that heart work, I, I don't find any of the other stuff to be beneficial. So that stuff coming after. And maybe we do some stuff to, to sort of stabilize them in the moment. Um, but most important for, for them to understand that they have value. And, and that's one thing that I feel is under attack in the home. Um, another thing to, to add to what we were saying earlier about the fathers. Um, we have so many mothers that the children are watching their, their mothers mistreated and devalued. So how will the child know how to value that mother? And so mothers are at a disadvantage in the home trying to work with their children uh, because of how the fathers are interacting with them or not interacting. Um, so again, that big picture of focusing on their value, where does their value come from? And then we attach everything else to that. What can parents do to better help their children to build their self-esteem, to um, so you're saying that you're, you want to build their self-esteem. So I understand that if it's in a dysfunctional home and mom's, you know, also being abused, um, what do you think something simple, hmm. um, do you, what tools do you tell them to use at home and, um, to help that? Yeah. So I really appreciate the child-centered play therapy approach, and that has two interventions, tracking and reflections. 
So tracking very simply, letting the child know, I see what you're doing. So you're playing with the blocks. You're putting the red one on top of the blue one. And then reflections, very simply, that frustrates you. I see you're having a hard time with that. Um, and I really try to I really try to teach parents those basic skills of tracking, letting the, the child know I'm paying attention instead of just saying I'm paying attention uh, or instead of just saying I understand, letting them know how you understand. I see you're feeling discouraged right now. And a thing that I try to work with a lot of parents on, and this is very prevalent in today's culture, they're doing way too much for kids and that's communicating to the child that they can't do it on their own. Um, it's easy to do it for a child. So for instance, when they're struggling to learn how to tie their shoe, it's easy to step in as we're rushing to school and say, fine, I'll do it. And we're communicating, you can't do it on your own. You need me. You might also be communicating that I have more value than you. And slowing down, I, and that's where I encourage parents get up a lot earlier, spend more time getting ready for the day with the child so that they have an opportunity to not be rushed for it to not be about getting the agenda done, getting to school, but about the relationship building that you end up doing, and to reflect in those moments. So instead of taking over the assignment, this is really challenging for you. Or when the child hands the, the shoe out to you and says, you know, you do it, oh, you really don't feel like you can do this on your own. And what I've noticed is typically when us as adults will step in and take over, if, if we just reflect, communicating, I understand what you're feeling, the child ends up trying again. So they'll keep trying, oh, it's hard, and then they'll hand it back, oh, you really don't think you can handle this without me. And then they'll try again, and eventually they'll start getting it. And, and we're communicating, I believe in you. And that's a big thing. I, I believe faith is such a, an important part of our expectations us as adults, we say, I expect you to do this, when really internally we don't actually expect them to be able to do it. And our internal expectation, and actually science is agreeing with this, our internal expectation indicates the outcome. It impacts how capable they are to follow through. But if we're not patient enough to wait till they follow through, and a child will try to outweigh us, we're not gonna see that positive outcome. So for us as parents, to wait on that actual outcome that we know is possible and maybe even stretching it a little bit beyond that so that they reach a new potential and waiting for it, waiting for it and, and just showing kindness. Um, I think in the past we've done things like, you can do it and not to say that that's bad, but to also tune into the frustration. Oh, this is frustrating. You're really discouraged. And to let them just know, I see you as you're doing this, as you're struggling with this. I think Chris will be able to attest to this. Um, I have four children. So the first child, um, you know, I, I absolutely took the time to sit with each, every little step and tie in the shoes and whatnot. But I actually think it was an advantage for my other kids because I, I taught them things, um, but... On the other hand, they learn from the other kids in a big family, okay? They saw their other siblings tying their shoes, and it's like an assumed that you can do it. And when you have four kids on a farm, you know, and they're already working at four or five years old, taking things out and doing things, I do think that was to their advantage. Absolutely. 
um, I'll, I'm sure Chris will tell you the same. It's similar to him, for him. Uh, one specific thing I remember is with our youngest daughter, Naomi. When she was born, I said immediately that the fact that her four siblings were much, much older than her was going to cause her to rise to the occasion. And she she has proven for, for that to be the case she's only nine years old and you know she knows how to use an iphone you know almost as good as probably uh, any teenager would uh, so i i think that yeah that's a huge plus you know being in that environment i um i wouldn't say that she's suffered greatly by not having peers in the home with her but uh, i can see there's differences like she is different than the other four because i remind them often i'm like Listen, you guys, you grew up together, the four of you. She has not had that experience. Yes, we're all here together. You know, we're doing this together. But the four of you were little at the same time. She's little by herself. So, you know, there, she's just different in, in that respect. But in a lot of ways, man, <laughs> does she truly function uh, like she's much older than nine? Mm-hmm. I just, myself, my, I remember my my youngest son one day he's four years old and in kindergarten and he put together a 500 piece puzzle and he was almost done with it and my awe I my jaw was on the floor saying you did this by yourself and he says you know he was like not shocked at all he's he finished you know I think his brother had started one corner and I said that great buddy I can't believe you did were able to do this all by yourself mommy would have helped you and and he's looking at me like I was fine and in that moment I remember thinking he's the fourth in line and he had an attitude like he could do any you know he could do anything they could do yeah I love doing puzzles or building projects with a specific outcome with children because automatically built into that is ways for them to correct themselves because they can't finish it without correcting their mistakes. And I have this one uh, Thomas the Train puzzle and there's these there's four pieces that look like they could go to the, together but they do not. And just waiting on the child to correct their mistake. And, and that's one thing that's neat is sometimes us as adults don't actually have to correct their mistakes. And to be around and present without correcting their mistakes and just patient until they come to that realization of this ain't working. <laughs> um, so giving them that opportunity to fix it and then celebrate with them. Absolutely. Do you see more issues with boys or girls in your practice? Um, do you... Um, so when the parent is missing from the home... Um, is it more often that the parents feel a need to bring in their daughters or their sons? Do you, is it one or the other? I would say from my experience, it's been about equal. Um, back when I was at the community clinic, I would get the boys simply because I was a boy, um, which I ended up pushing back on because um, I, I enjoy variety and it's encouraged to have variety. And actually, it's encouraged to have variety between children, teens, uh, middle adulthood. Uh, you get worn out working with children because they are quite powerless. They're quite powerless to change their circumstances and um, to work with people who are powerless all day long is quite challenging. Um, And it's actually something that I've communicated to parents 
uh, these two different models of practice, one being when it's a challenging home environment, I will either help your child cope with the environment if you're unwilling to change, or we can all work together on changing the environment so your child can thrive the most. Um, the first, unfortunately, is if you're not willing to change, then your child might not actually change. Um, and again, this is, this is for homes that experience a lot of chaos, disorder, instability. Um, this is not to say any child that's struggling uh, that applies to. Um, but regardless, I think there's always a, a part that the parents, the siblings can all play. So I guess our last question would be for t today, for this session, um, between your counseling for the entire family and um, I just want you to wrap it up in that. So obviously we're here to talk about um, God and how he affects everything. So if you could give us a little synopsis of what you think, um, how you think, or if you have a, even a favorite reading, if you want a, um, a favorite scripture, it, whatever you would like to say, because I'm sure you have something on your heart that you would like to say how that affects the family and what you think. And if you need a minute, we can. I would say one of the passages in the Bible that defines my work most is search my heart, O God, um, to reveal anxious ways or offensive ways. And I truly believe when we as adults are modeling for our children how to self-reflect, how to understand ourselves, and it's not do as I say and not as I do, when, when it's truly about a, an environment in the home where we're all working on growing together. The child is not the exclusive one, which is often what happens in homes. Uh, the parent is somehow perceived as more important because they can get away with breaking more rules than the children. Um, there, there's a lack of honesty in uh, apologizing on the, the part of the adults to say, hey, you know what? Mommy messed up. Daddy was really rude there. I'm sorry about that. To model those values that the that the parents are hoping for the children to live out. Um, a thing that I, I talk to parents a lot about is if you're expecting your child to change, look at how hard it's been for you to change. And I use my own personal experiences quite often to say it's hard for us and for us to be honest about that to let the child know they're not abnormal when they're struggling like this and, and we're here for them for that journey. But we have to be honest about it and I do believe that God has to reveal to us some of those hidden places in us um, that actually sometimes our children will make us aware of, which means we probably benefit from listening to them, our partners, our whole family. Well, thank you, Josh, for joining us today and have a wonderful day. Dear listeners, Thank you for sharing this time together with us. We ask God to bless you, heal you, and to provide, protect, and prosper you. May God allow you to experience more and more of his love for you. We pray that this week's message has touched you in a powerful way. To connect with us online, visit us at theanswerbroadcasting.com.